Hey, I'm Michelle. And I'm Christy. And we're new moms in old bodies. If you're a new mom in your 30s or 40s, great news. You're trending. But the advice out there is so 2012. And we quickly learned that what works for those young 20-something moms and what works for us is completely different. I mean, think about how much you have changed in the last 15 or 20 years. Our minds, bodies, and spirits are so different. The advice that's focused on younger moms just doesn't quite fit what's happening with us. So we're here to talk about that. All of that. So if you're using eye cream with your diaper cream, then you're in the right place. Click subscribe to join the Old Moms Club podcast and come along this journey with us as we figure out what the heck we're doing as new moms in old bodies. season. Um, So today on the pod, we're going to do things a little bit different since we are celebrating. We have been collecting all of your questions, all the things you want to know about us, all the things you want to know about motherhood, and we've put them all together in this bowl. And that's how our show is going to go today. We're going to pick one, answer it, talk about it, um, let you guys find out what you want to know. We threw in a couple of our favorite questions too. So let's get started. Hi, Michelle. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am good, but a little bit tired. Um, Ava had um, some ice cream last night and this was like the first time she's ever had real ice cream. And so bad timing to do it right before bed. Of course, you know, her dad had to give her a little sneak her a little treat and the girl was up until 10 p.m. last night, just like a crazy maniac <laughs> on a sugar high. And I am so tired. Oh, my gosh. But it was memorable. <laughs> that Lately, I hear her like shuffling around in there and I'll go see what she's doing. And she's crawling. She has flipped herself over, but she's still very short. So she's flipped herself over and she's like crawling from one end of the bed to the other end of the bed and back. And then watching her, she just stares at me like, what are you doing? Like I'm busy, mom. (laughs) Cute, cute. Well, should we get right into it? Because I think we have a lot of questions that came in, didn't we? We do. This is full. I don't know that we'll get through all of them. So yeah, let's go. Um, We will try to answer your questions thoroughly, but shortly so that we can make it through this as you can see it's it's full of them um okay I'm nervous though are you (laughs) why I'm excited put them in the bowl so I know like some of these are (laughs) yeah okay so you want to just draw one and we get started yeah let's do it okay number one Oh, okay. What is your favorite mom hack? Ooh. Ooh, I have a good one. So my favorite mom hack, um, at least with breastfed babies, because they have like this yellow poop. I don't know how it works with combo or formula fed babies. You could try it anyway. Um, but if you, if they have a blowout, (laughs) 
<laughs> and they have poop all over their clothes or whatever else, their bouncer or anything. You just put some dish soap on it, run it through hot water and then stick it in the sun. And the sun will literally, even though it looks like this bright yellow baby poop out there, by the time that it dries, it's completely clean. And then you just stick it in the washing machine and it's like brand new. Wow. Yeah. So sunlight bleaches out baby poop. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. I did not know that. Yeah. I yeah. Formula fed babies too, or just breastfed babies. I'm not sure. Hmm. I'm not sure. <laughs> But for once they start eating solids, it doesn't work anymore because then their poop starts changing drastically. Yes. <laughs> but it's for like that mushy yellow newborn poop. <laughs> okay, somebody try that out and let us know. What yeah. Um, my favorite mom hack. I think when we've already talked about this on the show one time, I love being able to take a shower now. Um, showers were my getaway. Like I will take a shower until I am out of hot water. Um, but having a baby, you can't do that. Um, not that you can't do that all the time. You just can't do that. <laughs> um, yeah. but you can put the baby bathtub in the shower with you or even a higher walled, like it depends on the size of your baby, but like those square buckets, you can get it like Lowe's or Home Depot. They're also like, yes. really, um, depending on the size of your shower or what you need, fill it up, put some water in there. No, don't fill it up, but you know, put some water in there enough to make it a baby bathtub, stick her in there. Then I can take a shower as long as I want. And she thinks it's fun. She thinks we're playing and you can just stay in the shower all day if you want to. Yep. I know. I love that mom hack. That's the only way that I get a shower on the weeks that Matt's out of town. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. So we'll go on and tell us yours. People that are listening, what is your favorite mom hack? Like, I know there's some really good stuff out there because we see stuff on Instagram all the time. We are like always sending each other things. Oh my gosh. I honestly, I don't know how I would know how to take care of a baby if it wasn't for Instagram. Like what did people do before? They just like winged it. I don't know. <laughs> they have, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Next question. If you have only one piece of advice for a new mom, what would it be? Hmm. Um, for me, I think the thing that I was most shocked by after I had a baby was that they don't automatically know how to do things. <laughs> so like, like you can't just lay a baby down in the crib. Like you have to teach a baby how to sleep in a crib and some babies don't like Ava was one of those babies that we co-sleep with her and, um, and she only breastfeeds. She refused a bottle. Um, and I know there's all these tips and tricks on how you can get them to take a bottle, but it really, I mean, breastfeeding just ended up working out for us. But, um, so I feel like I went into motherhood with like all these expectations, like, 
oh, you just give a baby a bottle and they norm, they just naturally take it and you just put them in a crib and then they sleep. And no, those things just don't naturally happen for every baby. And so um, just have zero expectations and understand that every single baby is its own person <laughs> and they're going to have preferences that they like and don't like. And um, so to just kind of roll with the punches and have no expectations. That is a really good one. I was going to say something similar. Um, I was going to say our, you know, one of my favorite taglines, just relax. Nothing is under control. Um, I think being a new mom, you learn in a big way to give up control and expectations of things all the time. Um, because it is, they don't know how to do anything. And the one thing I'm so surprised still at the end of every day, I think about like we were playing or we did this today or we did that today, you know, we took a bath and now she's eight months old. So I feel like when I'm talking to her, she is responding to me in some kind of way. And they do that from a very, very, very early age. And you have the eye contact and they laugh and they smile and all those great things. But sometimes when I put her in bed at night, when she's finally asleep, I think we made it all day long. And this baby did not say one thing. Like, it's so bizarre, the level of communication that you have. Oh, um, yeah. Even with Ava. So she's always kind of had this independent streak in her. <laughs> and so the only way that I know how to encourage that in a way is to let her make choices. And so I've always given her like two choices anytime she's going to get something literally since she was four or five months old. And so she picks out her clothes every morning. Of course, I only give her two choices, um, but she picks out her clothes. She picks out her pajamas. She picks out her food and she has her own way of communicating like which thing she wants. And in the beginning, she would just kind of like lean toward the thing that she wanted and then now she points or she says ga or whatever you know <laughs> but yeah they do they have like this whole language that you learn intuitively as their mom it's pretty cool <laughs> even at I think if you give her two choices instead of picking the one she wants she throws the one that she doesn't want <laughs> I'm done with this this piece of advice is relaxed nothing's under control and people are going to tell you things from the day you find out you're pregnant and you tell anybody until I don't know I'm sure your whole entire life well, I haven't it came to the point where it stops yet you're gonna get so so much advice and do things this way and do things this way and why are you not doing it this way and why are you not doing that because it's you because it's your baby you do what's right for you. Like yes. just because thing works for your grandma doesn't mean that that's what needs to happen right now. You know, you, you know, your baby and you know what works for you. And I think being a mom, it is kind of very liberating in a way too, to be able to say no, like it, it's a very firm, you have to set boundaries with those people very early on and you can do it in a very nice way. Um, but then Everything that you plan is not going to go as planned. Um, you're never 
Heineken, <laughs> all of those things. And it's okay. Like, it's just part of it, you know, plan around it and just understand that it doesn't happen the way you think it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So moving on. Okay. Random, <laughs> random mom confession. Ooh. Do you have one? <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to get in trouble if I say that. Um, so I'll say. <laughs> so Eden's father um, is a vegan and I am not. And I've done, you know, research both ways about the best way to keep a baby healthy and give them what they need. Luckily, one of my favorite phrases now, especially when I just see her covered head to toe in plums or something, um, is food before one is just for fun. So everything that they're eating right now is just so that they can explore and they can learn the textures. They feel it with their hands. They feel it with their mouth. Sometimes some of it makes it to their stomach, I think. <laughs> a lot of it makes it on the floor or all over them. Um, but we have always had uh, controversy around the right thing to feed her. And so I would go buy baby food with different meat proteins in it, whether it be chicken or beef or whatever and put it in jars that say mixed vegetables or something. And like only one time he asked about it because it did have this really weird, weird smell. He's like, this smells um, like turkey. <laughs> so I told him it was homemade. That's why it smelled weird. <laughs> You know what? You do what you gotta do. <laughs> um, so anyway, that would be my confession. Yes, I actually like took food out of jars and put it into different jars because I wanted to control what she ate, not him. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, that is such a hard one. I don't, I can't think of one off the top of my head that doesn't have something to do with like peeing my pants <laughs> picture of your placenta <laughs> oh I do need to send that to you still um but huh well do you have a peeing your pants story that you could share with us well, I mean, it's so not really a confession but I I'll just share this because frankly I feel like it's relatable and you know, I don't know. Anyway, I feel like the first probably at least two to three weeks after I had a baby, like the second I had that feeling that I had to pee. Oh, there was like no stopping it between having the feeling and just peeing. <laughs> no, there was no time separation whatsoever. Like it was you feel like you got to pee and now you are peeing. Just for the listeners out there, that does eventually stop. It does. Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> um, Thank anyway. God that yes. does stop. But at one point I did consider just 
having extra pair of pants in my, um, keeping an extra pair of pants in my trunk, just in case I peed my pants. <laughs> uh, but I think it's, it's at that point when you're at that point, you're like, I am going to pee myself forever. And I have to carry extra pants in my car. Then it's kind of over. Like when you get yes. to that point, like all of a sudden you're just like, Oh yeah. Fun. And it feels like it kind of stops out of nowhere. Doesn't it? Yeah. For yes. me, it did. It was probably, I don't know, like four or five weeks. And then all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I'm not peeing myself anymore. <laughs> things you don't notice because you have so many things going on yeah you don't even care like that was the <laughs> least of my worries peeing myself was the least of my worries <laughs> moms though that we don't have a lot to say or a lot to confess right now we want to hear yours yeah uh, you follow us on anchor there is a way to send us a message and we would love to hear your mom confessions yes i actually think this is something whenever we have guests we should do mom confessions yeah then if, if we're thinking about it more then we can confess more things <laughs> <laughs> right. oh, and then it. we are like oh we're not all alone everyone yeah. That's the wrong food and baby food. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> On that note, we'll toss. Here we go. Do you have any regrets? Do you have any regrets about your labor and delivery? Hmm. Regrets? Mm. Um, I suppose there's one thing that I wish that I would have, uh, pushed for sooner. Um, so I spent my entire pregnancy working with one doula and then there was like big, a week of thunderstorms. Um, and for people that haven't heard this, um, haven't heard our birth story episode yet. <laughs> um, I ended up going into labor like the night that we had this huge storm, but everyone else also went into labor on that same night because apparently like big thunderstorms, something about the pressure in the air can make everyone's water break. So my water broke at 3 a.m. Um, I called my doula almost immediately and told her like, hey, I think my water broke. And she told me that, yeah, she agreed. She thought that my water had broke as well. Um, but she was already at a birth and so she wasn't, gonna, she wasn't gonna be there. She wasn't gonna be able to help me that day. And so I go to the hospital without my doula, which just so you know, you pay your doula far in advance. Um, I think like for us, we had to have everything paid in full by like week 32 or 35 or something like that. So you've already paid for your doula to be there to really be your advocate during the, your labor and, labor and delivery. And, um, but she was at another birth and the agreement was that uh, a backup doula would be sent in her place if she wasn't available. Well, 
they didn't send anyone because I was doing fine. You know, I felt like things were progressing very slowly, but they were progressing and we weren't having any major issues. And so my doula did not send anyone. Um, and then eventually by like 6 PM, I was, the nurse told me, she's like, you know what, if you paid for a doula, you need to have somebody here. So you need to tell her to send someone. Um, so I did, I messaged her and I was like, Hey, I need you to send a backup and which she did thankfully. Um, but I wish I would have just pushed for that a little bit earlier because a doula's purpose is not just, um, to advocate for you at the, or to be there at the very end. I really feel like it would have been beneficial for me personally to have someone kind of explaining different things and, um, and helping me make choices and decisions that were best for me in the moment. Um, so that was one thing that I don't know if I'd call it a regret, but something that I wish I would have kind of pushed for a little bit earlier. Yeah, that's a good one. I think all of the things surrounding advocating for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. and I think part of the reason we don't do it earlier is because we don't realize that we have to. Yeah. Um, Maternal care in America is at the bottom of the list. It's mm -hmm. at the list of doctors' priorities in America, and America is at the bottom of the list of maternal care in the world. So our entire lives, we've been going to these doctors, trusting them. We go in, we tell them what's wrong, they fix it, we go on about our way, and we just think that these doctors and these doulas and these people that we have selected to be part of this process are going to be the same way and they're not always um right. <clears throat> well and i think we have this assumption that they're just going to do what's best for us as an individual and what i've learned throughout this whole experience of having a baby because i really didn't have any medical issues where I was interacting with doctors much before that, um, thankfully. <laughs> but what I've learned is that they just kind of do whatever is the most common. Um, so they just kind of have like this standard response to the most common things that come up. It's not like this very, it's not always this very specific individualized care. And so you really do have to um, ask a lot of questions. You have to understand that just because a doctor says something or offers you something or um, makes a recommendation, you don't have to take it. Like an example of this would be um, after five days after I gave birth to Ava, I they used forceps on me and um my tearing was not external. It was actually internal in the birth canal. And it was excruciating for me, like so painful. And, um, and so I reached out to my doctor on the online platform thing that they have. Um, and I just said, Hey, I'm in a lot of pain, but I'm also breastfeeding right now. So what are my options for pain control? Because I didn't want to take a heavy narcotic given that I was birth control, I were um, breastfeeding. And 
she did not call me. She didn't even, she literally just wrote a prescription for a heavy narcotic painkiller anyway. And I never even picked it up. So I had no support through that. And that was, uh, that was really challenging. <laughs> but you don't, you don't have to do everything that a doctor recommends. You can ask more questions. You can set boundaries and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I need another option. Um, yeah. So you, I feel like learning to be your own advocate is something that I've definitely learned over the last year. Absolutely. And so in a similar situation, not because they were telling me to do something, but if there's something that's happening in a way that you feel like is different from the way it should happen, it's okay to ask those questions too. Um, I know that we have hit on times throughout this show, but I had um, hyperemesis throughout my pregnancy. Um, we haven't talked about Which it. For all. people who don't know what that is, why don't you just give a quick snapshot? Um, we're going to have a show dedicated to that later. <laughs> so uh, say, you know, go into all of the details right now. But it's basically, it's labeled as a severe form of morning sickness. So if you think of the day your morning sickness was the absolute worst times about a hundred, <laughs> it doesn't get better. You never stop throwing up. I was hospitalized 20 times during my first seven months of pregnancy um, because I couldn't keep anything down. I, that's when I kind of discovered YouTube because that's another thing. Um, it seems like in European countries, they are doing a lot more for HG than we're doing here. Um, Amy Schumer did a special about it and she's now on the board of one of the HG foundations here in America. So I'm excited to see some of those changes and bring some awareness to this maybe just through people recognizing her. Um, Kate Middleton had it also. So, but unless it's someone like that, we don't hear about it. And I think the thing, Amy Schumer actually talked about it in her documentary, but then also with me and with the other people that I was watching on YouTube, I would just get on YouTube because I, I mean, I couldn't move. You can't get out of bed. You can't do anything. And I would look up other people with these HG stories and see what they did to get through it. And just knowing that someone else understands what you're going through really did make a huge difference. Um, but one of the things they all kept saying was to get your weekly IV schedule, just have like a mobile company or home health or somebody come to your house, give you an IV, schedule it once or twice a week so that you don't have to go to the hospital over and over and over and over. And that was never offered to me. I was never told I could do that. And then finally, it was getting towards the end. And I feel like towards the end of my pregnancy, I was feeling worse, but I think it's just a general, your body feels worse. You're done, <laughs> you're tired. Um, I was feeling worse, but I was also feeling more sick. And at that point, one of the doctors said, okay, we're going to keep you here. 
um, for a little while, you know, run some tests, make sure everything's okay. And they asked that, why aren't you getting these IVs at your house? Why aren't you getting this home health? And I said, you know, I had asked about it. I was told I couldn't do that. And she looked into it. And the truth of the matter was my doctor wouldn't recommend that because my particular insurance didn't cover it. Could it have happened? Yes. Would I have had to pay extra for it? Yes. Would I have gladly paid extra for it? Absolutely. But oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, but my doctor didn't want to do that. So didn't give me the option. Yeah. 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 Didn't give me the option. And then the one time I asked her about it, she just said, no, just come up here. Yeah. And so, so moral of the story, look into everything and advocate for yourself. Yes. I think now that we're on episode five, we're halfway through. We have said that in every single episode. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, like You have to advocate for yourself. You have mm-hmm. to stand for yourself, you know, because mm-hmm. they're going to. Yeah. Yeah. So we will move along now. Next one. Next one. Oh, any tips for finding formula? So you are probably not looking for formula. Well, you're looking for formula for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I've got my whole family scouring all the grocery stores around here for you. I do have some tips for finding formula. Um, One, I saw this on Facebook and then I looked it up to see if it was true or not. But America is the only place having the formula shortage. Canada is not having it. Mexico is not having it. Germany is not having it. That's why we're shipping in all of this formula from those places. But a simple way to fix that, depending on where you live, instead of going to amazon.com to buy your formula, because if I go to amazon.com to buy my formula, it's out of stock, out of stock, out of stock, out of stock. If you go to amazon.ca, you go to the Canadian Amazon site, your formula is on there and you can order it. Um, The fallback of that is that at that point you're paying for international shipping, which is a lot but it's Amazon. So you can also buy cases of it. So, you know, depending on what you want, they're not limiting the amount you can buy. Um, So if you have to pay some kind of outrageous shipping fee, buy all the formula that you need. Yeah. So I actually, I only bought formula once and that was before I went to the hospital because I wanted to have that option just in case um, Ava needed to supplement with formula. Um, and I ended up getting some from Europe. I think it was H I P P hip. Um, and honestly, I don't even know exactly where that's from the Netherlands or something like that. Um, but you can, I just now looked up online, my organic company dot store. And I, I'm pretty sure that's where I ordered it as well. And like you said, you do have to pay international shipping, but it is organic baby formula. It's a little more on the pricey side, but um, but worth it if if that's what you really need. 
That's what you need. And another thing, and I know this sounds really, really simple, but I see a lot of people doing this in your mom groups on Facebook or just your own Facebook page, your own Instagram page, wherever you are on media, it does not hurt. It does not cost anything. Take a picture of the formula you need and just say, hey, if you're out and you see this, this is what I need. Because what I've seen with the people that do that are tons of responses, tons mm -hmm. of responses. And um, look at the news in your area. I know there was a man here that discovered he's a restaurant owner, but he discovered through his supplier, through his food supplier, he could buy formula um, because wow. apparently big wholesale food companies still have access to it. So he bought all the formula he could buy and he's like giving it away at his restaurant. So look on social media, see what the other people on social media are doing. I've also heard that you can get it through your insurance. Um, I don't know if you have to talk to your doctor or talk to your insurance company. I don't know how that works because I'm not to that point yet, but I have heard that. So it's worth asking around. Instead of driving to every store in the world, um, you can get it online. It's just gonna be international. You probably can get it local from somebody else that has found it. Just let people know what you're looking for. That's awesome. And moving on, did you experience postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety? Um, no, I did not. I felt like I was expecting it for some reason. I don't know, expect the worst. And then if that doesn't happen, then yay. Um, I actually feel like I oddly had like the exact opposite thing happen where I was hysterically laughing. I remember about that. really dumb things. Like I would laugh so hard I would be crying and it'd be about the dumbest things. Um, so I feel like mine was the opposite. <laughs> um, but I will say I did have a little bit of anxiety. I would just have um, like honestly, the only thing that I really would freak out about was our bedroom is on one side and her nursery is on the other side of the house. And, um, even though she didn't sleep in there, <laughs> if we were walking, um, from one room to the other late at night, um, both rooms are on the second floor and we have to pass like a banister. And then there's a drop where the stairs are. And I would always kind of have this freak out vision of like accidentally tripping and dropping my baby over the railing or something like that. And I know that Matt ha actually had the same fear. I feel like Matt actually had more postpartum anxiety than I did. Um, and a lot of it was around like dropping her and things like that. Um, but yeah, that's the, that was the really the only thing that kind of like nagged at me. I'm going to just touch on that, what you said about Matt, because I met someone this week or last week um, that is a specialist for postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, and she works with the whole family to get through that. She is a, a physician's assistant. She has started her own clinic that's just focused on those things. Uh, we have invited her to be a guest on the show, so you will we'll be hearing from her in June. But some of the things that she said are just really interesting, and they're not things that we think about. She said all of the 
prepartum depression is also a thing that happens, um, which I think is something that we don't talk about or think about, but your hormones are just as crazy then, you know, just as up and down, your body's still going through all of these changes. You're still not sleeping. So prepartum was something that she wanted to kind of focus on and just bring awareness. Like it happens, you know, um, postpartum, but then also that your partner or your spouse, they're feeling the same thing you're feeling. Um, but being a man or maybe not able to communicate it. Um, and I think a lot of times, whether it be postpartum or just regular depression or anxiety, a lot of people aren't able to communicate. It. So if you think about what you're feeling and understand he is probably feeling the same way too, but with no recognition of that being a thing yet and not able to express it, um, it kind of puts everything in a different light. Right. Well, and think about it. Like right after you have a baby, so much has just happened with you physically that I can imagine as a man, if I would be terrified to communicate anything like, oh, I'm feeling stressed out to my wife who just had to birth a child and is going through that postpartum healing journey. I wouldn't want to bring it up. Because I would be like, okay, whatever I'm feeling doesn't compare to whatever I'm sure you're going through. So I, I do think it probably is a lot more prevalent than, um, than is talked about at all. Yeah. So I was really surprised to hear that. Um, for myself personally, I think I was so sick up until my pregnancy. And that is one thing, if you are out there and you have hyperemesis, everyone tells you, as soon as you have the baby, it's over. As soon as you have the baby, it's over. And I will just reinforce, as soon as you have the baby, it's over. Um, you guys have heard my birth story. I was literally puking until the minute I had e Eden. After I had Eden, all the hyperemesis was gone. I was never sick again. Wow. And I think that just being able to physically feel better, I felt so much better mentally. Mm -hmm. um, and that says a lot because I just had a baby. So mm -hmm. like that whole postpartum healing journey, which is the hardest part of having a baby was easier than the seven months leading up to it, having had hyperemesis. Um, so I think I was so relieved to be over that part of it that I didn't experience the depression part of it. Um, there were moments of anxiety, like you talked about with the banister. <laughs> I would just stare at her sleeping. And I still do that though. Um, yeah. Is she breathing? Is she breathing? She's not breathing. Is she breathing? She's not breathing. You know, I will like touch her and then wakes up um but I think that's very common like I don't think oh, yeah. it's a diagnosable you have anxiety around this you know I mean yeah. I think our job as moms we worry about them um but any of that that you feel whether it be anxiety or depression or whatever they feel from you mm -hmm. um so it is very important if that's something that you're experiencing to keep it in check, to talk to your doctor, to see what you can do, 
this particular lady we're going to have on the show, she does a lot of fun things. She does yoga. She does music. She does art therapy. It's not just like go talk to a counselor and get medicated. Like she gets you back to enjoying life again, which is one thing I think is really special. And that's why I'm excited to have her on here. But if it is something you're going through, yes, go find something to help you through it. But it does, it does come to an end. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Everything, everything that is a challenge (laughs) in the motherhood journey is just a challenge for a season. Mm -hmm. It's a season. And, um, this is not related to that. I'm just thinking about one thing Michelle told me one time, and I think about this all the time when it seems like those moments happen when it's just like things are out of control or you just have that dread or, oh no, what do I do about this? She said, the day is going to pass either way. Yeah. <laughs> if you either have it way. all done. Or, yeah. And it just, it, I don't know, it makes me feel better. It goes back to, you know, relax. Nothing is under control. That's right. <laughs> That's our motto here. <laughs> okay, so moving on. Y'all, yes. we uh, one, two, seven more questions. So, okay, I don't should know. we do three and then save the other four? Let's do three more. Um, okay. And then we'll wrap it up okay uh, <laughs> i saw this one when i was putting them into the bowl Uh-oh. ever tasted breast milk um yes i have tasted my own breast milk and it's really delicious <laughs> now i understand why ava is obsessed with my boobs it tastes like vanilla almond milk Okay. Super well, no, you know. Um, I have, I, and I have not tasted formula either, but I thought about it because they are, they're like obsessed with it. Just, they have to have it. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Baby food, some of the baby food I have tried, um, and it tastes the same as regular food, you know, like the fruity ones. Um, yeah. And now she's older, so she's eating more regular table food. So, like, I have to act like I'm eating it so that she'll eat it. Um, breast milk, I haven't. So, it tastes like a vanilla almond milk, huh? Yes. It's so good. You can, t- you can taste some of mine if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> there are companies now that are, like, making things with it, you know? Oh, so yeah. I don't, it is. Maybe it is. What about I mean, you? I don't want to really taste anybody else's, but I, I had a drop of my own. <laughs> I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm glad we always had three questions. One down. Um, postpartum workout journey. What does that look like for you? Oh, gosh. Okay, so I feel like I was really gentle with my body and the whole experience. Um, Honestly, I fully expected to 
have the baby and then like three days later be going on walks and at a minimum six weeks later be doing my full workouts and it was not that way at all for me like i said before i definitely had a lot of healing to do after i had ava um we live in a two-story home and the bedroom is on the second level and i did not walk down the stairs for three weeks because i was just <laughs> confined to the bed um so that was shocking to me um i think i even after six weeks i was like there is no way i'm ready to do a workout like i think i went on our first walk and when i say we went on a walk i mean we walked about a block and a half and then turned around and went back home at five weeks so um it was wildly different than my pre postpartum expectations. Uh, so my first, I think I started doing my first workout, um, very, very light walking. Uh, and then after that, I just kind of walked a little bit more and a little bit more. And when I say just a little bit of walking, I mean, like a couple blocks. And then around three and a half to four months, um, I had a Peloton. And so I did do, I think, uh, just a couple 15 minute rides. Um, and no, I did not really sit on the seat much. I was like, <laughs> I know that's a question because everyone was like, you're already sitting on a bike seat. I was like, no, I am standing on the bike the whole time. <laughs> Uh, and then after that, I feel like I kind of got more into a rhythm around five months and then I could really start being more consistent, but I modified everything for a really long time. Um, I think it was around like seven ish months when I felt like I was like back to doing my normal workouts at my normal intensity. Wow. I mean, yeah. you were, um, I did not work out all the time before I was pregnant. I had my little routine and my things that I did. I would walk all the time. I mean, daily, but I didn't consider that really a workout. That was just kind of more like de-stressing, you know, getting outside kind of situation, walking, hiking, swimming, yoga, those things I kind of did for fun. Um, not really as a like, oh, I have to go work out. And then recently, um, probably this past month, I went and joined a gym for the first time since I've had Eden. Um, and I've never been. <laughs> <laughs> Most relatable part of this entire podcast. <laughs> So I know that the gym membership fees are automatically withdrawn and they've taken it out for two months now. <laughs> I, but I feel like I'm carrying this giant baby around everywhere that I go. And that is no joke. I mean, it is arms. You know, when you're being that cute mom and you're playing with her like, oh, oh, that's like a workout. I mean, <laughs> yes. And the amount of squats that you do. 
I mean, on a daily basis, you're going down, you're going up, you're going down, you're going up. So I haven't got into a routine um, with working out yet, but I do try to walk every day. I still do that. And she loves it too. Um, it's a really good thing. I feel like part of it is I just want to be outside for a little bit each day. And then walking is so beneficial for all of the things, not just physically. I mean, physically, mentally, emotionally, it helps you sleep better. It helps regulate things. It helps all of the things. Um, and I want Eden to be able to experience that too. So putting her in her stroller, going for her daily walks, that started almost Im immediately. I mean, as soon as I could walk again, not immediately like I came home from the hospital and started pushing her around. Um, but whatever that time frame was when I could walk again, um, we would start going outside and walking. And they say that's the best thing you can do. That's how you start again, mm -hmm. is start with. Um, and like you said, you win a block and a half. That's totally fine. I want people to understand that's totally fine because a block yeah. and a half is better than zero blocks. <laughs> and it always pisses me off, even when I see it now, like women who get home from the hospital and then are posting on Instagram going on a walk with their baby two days, you know, two, three days later. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, that was so far from my experience. And that's not normal. And I also want people to know that like, they also might just be doing it for the photo op. Let's be real. You know, they're doing it for the photo op. They just walked to the end of their street or the end of their block and they went home. That's right. probably what happened there. So right. yeah, it, cause I remember that being really upsetting for me. Like, oh my gosh, I just want to be able to like go out and go for a really long walk. And that just was not realistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on that note, our very last question for today is how yeah. long did it take you until you felt like yourself again? Ooh, um, I almost feel like there were kind of, um, I, I don't know. I think you just fully change as a person. You know what I mean? Like you're, you find a new normal so I don't necessarily know that you feel like your old self, but you kind of come into your own as this new person, <laughs> as a mom. Um, so it's a little bit of a tricky question, but I, I will say I had this moment at four months. My mom was watching Ava and I ran to the grocery store by myself and um, and this was four months in, and I remember walking out of the grocery store, walking through the parking lot and being like, oh my gosh, I feel kind of like myself right now. Like I felt incredible. It was such a great moment. It sticks out in my mind as me kind of like getting over that newborn fog, if you will. Um, so for me, I think it kind of started at four months. And then really, I do feel like I've kind of come into my own as this new me. Um, and I feel like that happened around like 10 months. I feel like really settled and confident in, in new routines. 
Um, and now I have realistic expectations for different things about my life. So, um, so kind of little moments along that, but it started at four months for me. And I'm so glad to hear you say that because when you said four months, I immediately started like editing my answer in my head because I was thinking, oh no, I was going to say seven months. Well, should I say six months, four to six months, you know, but no, there are moments that happen. Um, just the stars have aligned. You got to sleep or maybe you got to go to the grocery store or maybe you figured out how to take a shower. There will be moments along the way um, where you feel yourself. But I totally understand what you're saying about coming into your own as a completely different person also. Um, and for me, Eden is just now eight months old. And I think, I feel like this past month has been such a huge turning point for me personally and as a mom and as just just kind of like the, you know, butterfly coming out of the cocoon again. And so, um, yeah, I mean, seven or eight months before you feel really like settled and confident, peaceful, happy, um, you're not worried, the anxiety is not there, um, you're in your routine. Uh, but it, so it does take a long time. I know you, like you said, you see those Instagram moms wearing their jeans, leaving the hospital, going for a jog. Um, the reality of old momming is not that. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. So we have a bowl full of questions left, but we are out of time. So we'll save these and touch on those next time. Um, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, for everybody that has listened or followed or sent us questions or joined along, that's what we want. We want to create a community. We want you to think of us as your new BFFs that are just helping you along this mom journey. And that's happening. It's really happening. Like we're on episode five, we're halfway through season one. There's so much to celebrate and be grateful for. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. And if you've liked this podcast, please rate and leave a review. That would be so helpful um, for us in expanding this community. So thank you. That's our cue to go. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Old Moms Club Podcast and join our Old Moms Club Podcast page on Facebook.